The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We just welcome. Great to have you here. Robert, you say some. Do you have a mic? Yeah. By the way, I'm David Cohn. This is Robert Cusick, and this is Fiona Barner. So I'm going to um, sort of repeat what David said, just a, a warm welcome to everyone. When David pitched this idea to me, and I have to say he pitched it, <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? There will be three or four people that will come. <laughs> I'm too busy to talk. <laughs> he said, no, no, I, I'm sure that in any event, uh, I thought I was the only one <laughs> getting older. But, uh, yeah, it felt so lonely somehow when I felt that way. So uh, I'm really glad that he persisted and he twisted my arm. And uh, it's just a delight to see so many people here and to... Uh, um, just to sense into that quality of um, uh, some sort of common concern that we have um, about being a human being going through this process of, of, of uh, transition. Sort of, it's kind of a, like a liminal state that we're experiencing. So it's a delight to be here with all of you. Um, <clears throat> We intend to build community and to um, have uh, a slant on, the, on doing uh, this through the lens of, of uh, practice, through the lens of the Dhamma. So, delighted to be here with you. And I'm Robert Cusick. Do you have a microphone? Oh, here you go. Well, <clears throat> I'm Fiona, and uh, this, this makes me so happy just to see you here. Uh, David also um, <laughs> pitched the idea to me, and um, so I have never sat in this seat, and that was quite intimidating for me, I must admit. Um, but uh, it was wonderful meeting with Robert and David that um, this isn't a class, this is just, we're just exploring this together. And, um, uh, and through the Dharma, it's just, uh, you know, I have participated in conversations with people our age uh, where the conversation wants to devolve into... You know, what are the challenges? What's this body doing? I mean, all, and so how to reframe um, looking at this as, as this great opportunity, um, it, a, a great moment uh, of looking deeply. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what inspired me to... Uh, to do this is I've been a hospice worker, a volunteer chaplain at, at uh, 
uh, a hospice for many years, uh, over 20 years. And I'm also a hospital chaplain. I've been a hospital chaplain for many years too. And I, uh, I just keep coming across people that are so nurtured by their community. They're so nurtured when they're dying. They're so nurtured when they're very ill. And these seem to be the happiest people. People who say, you know, so many people are praying for me. So many people from my church have come to visit me. You know, not good friends, spiritual friends, good friends too, of course, and family members. So it gives people a sense of safety in community, that they're not doing this alone. And I thought, IMC doesn't have this. You know, we're, IMC is a kind of a funny, indefinable being. But here we have community. We definitely have community. We, we recognize each other. Many of us recognize many of us. And hopefully we'll eventually begin to recognize deeply all of us. And I think, I dare say, that, um, that you, like I, have shared a spiritual longing for many years. I, think you, uh, I can trace my spiritual longing back. I was thinking about it today, uh, back to when I was a little boy, when I was you know, going to, to temple, and I, I, I heard the rabbi, you know, and he'd, He'd raise his hands and he'd part his fingers like this and give a little, you know, benediction at the end uh, to uh, a unified God, a sovereign God. And my family wasn't very religious, but something, something is in me. Something is me, in me from those years, and and all through my life, even in, in you know, in college, I, I studied. My thesis was on, I got a master's thesis on, on the Enlightenment, uh, uh, the Enlightenment stories in Saul Bellow. I was so interested in that, you know, and, and then uh, the LSD years and, 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 and you know, the awake, real awakenings and Alan Watts. And, and I, I'm sure you all have the same spiritual, your own spiritual biography, this longing And you know now I can think of it like this is this is a this longing is beautiful. It's it's I'm thinking of it now as a longing or a love for Dharma, a longing for Dharma, a love for Dharma that we all share. We all share also the uh, nattering voices of unworthiness the oppression of worries and fears and concerns and angers and re- revenges and injuries and insults and all those nattering concerns of, uh, I think of it as the survival instincts gone amuck. You know, at one point in time, 
the survival instincts were very apt. You know, there were saber-toothed tigers around and um, earthquakes and, you know, somebody crossing the river to uh, take our mate and children. But uh, those instincts are still deeply in us as part of being a human being. And they've taken the form of, you know, me and mine and I and wanting and not wanting, wanting wanting to be liked, wanting to be approved of, being afraid of being blamed, being afraid of being disapproved of, reputation, wanting to be successful, being afraid of failing, wanting a nice vacation, all kinds of stuff. So there, there's, this, there's this whole realm of survival instincts gone amok. But what also has been always here, always here all my life, ever since I was a little boy, all through my life, and so much here, right now, so apparent right now, is awareness is beingness. So there's this um, this, uh, this, this longing inclines us to surrender, to surrender the nattering voices into beingness. Letting go. And that's what we want to study here, and that's what you've been studying, and that's what you've been doing for many, many, many years. And you've all had many moments of peace and equanimity and silence and liberation and freedom. You've all, we've all experienced that, and we want to grow that and there's something about these senior years that is such a great opportunity as we're moving toward <coughs> sickness and death doing it for us and doing it all for us into total beingness for us into peace, into complete and full surrender of all these selves that we possess. Why wait? Why not just do it? Do it now. I want to read something by, uh, this is by Thomas Merton. In prayer, we discover what we already have. You start where you are and you deepen what you already have and you realize you are already there. We already have everything, but we don't know it and we don't experience it. All we need is to experience what we already possess. 
So we have this, this longing, this, this letting go, this insatiable. It's insatiable. It goes on, on and on and on. And there's something about this insatiable quality that's joyful. There's something about this longing that's joyful. And it'll never end. We'll never become completely here. We have to, come, we have to become here over and over. It's, it's insatiable. The bodhisattva vow in Zen is delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. They're inexhaustible. And I keep ending them, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. So, um, but I don't want to set up in my mind, or I don't want to present an adverse relationship with these survival instincts and what they manifest, the disturbances, the agitations, that they bring into our lives. I don't want to be averse to those. It doesn't work. We'll never get rid of them. We might lessen them. We might deepen our insight into suffering and letting go. But they're part of existence and part of awareness, part of real awareness. When I was, when I, I was at the Zen Center, I lived there for 14 years. I was a young man. I was a priest, and I really wanted to get enlightened. I really wanted to get rid of all of these, you know, all of these voices and become pure. I wanted to purify myself. But what I found is we can, ne- we can never purify ourselves. We're always going to lose if that's our endeavor. We'll never purify ourselves. But awareness is already purified. Our awareness that we all share is purified. And it's so ordinary. And it's so here. It's so here in this room. Are you all aware right now? It's boundless. All we have to do is just notice it. Awareness, it's as big as this room. And it doesn't matter how we get there. There are all kinds of techniques for getting there. The you know, mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of the breath. There's a great teacher, uh, Ajahn Sumedho, who who uh, his practice is mindfulness of the sound in the inner ear. Not recommended if you have tinnitus. <laughs> but if you don't have tinnitus and you listen closely, you might hear that. That's his practice, to hear this high-pitched, beautiful sound in the inner ear. He calls it the sound of silence. That's what takes him into awareness. He also calls it cosmic shimmerings. This awareness 
is a cosmic shimmering. So we have to uh, let this awareness. It doesn't. It doesn't like say, "Well, you're okay, but I'm not. You're not included." It includes everything. It includes all the "quote unquote" difficult stuff. This is. I think this has been a very important point for me at the Zen Center. I wanted to eliminate. I wanted to annihilate. But now I want to include. And this act of inclusion is just, it's like a metta that's included in awareness. It's a warmth, a loving kindness, an acceptance of everything that's included in awareness. And in this inclusion with metta of awareness, it allows the deconstruction into the metta over and over and over again. Deconstruction into more and more present, into more and more here. So this is what matters to me now. Love of Dharma. And this is what I'll have with me to the end. And maybe beyond the end, who knows? Rilke said, I live my life in widening circles that already reach out across the world. I may not complete the last one, but I give myself to it. No resting place, joyful exertion into the almost is reward in itself. Confidence, no direction. So, this is our birthright. This is what's beckoning to us. It's beckoning to us all the time. Come here. Simple. We're just ordinary human beings. Every one of us. We're just... We're not better than anybody. We're not worse than anybody. We're not even the same as anybody. In the end, in the end, we'll rest in peace, right? Why not do it right now? So, that's my testify. That's my pitch. (laughs) This is the time. This is a golden opportunity for transformation. We have all the time in the world, many of us, all the time in the world, all the midlife values are no longer relevant. All of the young person values are no longer relevant. 
what we've been longing for all of our lives is what's really relevant now. And if you look in the mirror, you'll realize, I don't want to waste my time, this precious time. There's not, maybe, there's, there's, what's ahead of me is far less than what's behind me. Do I want to spend the rest of my precious days criticizing myself, criticizing others, blaming myself, blaming others? Fiona sent me two, two pieces that are just so wonderful. One is by Father Keating, and uh, he's an iconic, amazing Christian Catholic priest, I think. And uh, he's 95 years old. And he is so humble. And he's so honest and truthful. And just Dharma just pours out of him in, with such gentle, easy, light words. But his, what he really wants is to live the rest of his life in the presence of God. And he meditates four to five hours every day, abiding in the presence of God as much as he's capable. And then he carries that into the day, abiding in the presence. So I, I think of it as abiding in loving awareness. Ram Dass, the way he got there, was with a mantra. That's another way to do it, with mantras. And his mantra is, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. And he would chant that too. Beautiful, beautiful chanting. And then Fiona sent me one other piece, which is James Barraza's, she's a Buddhist teacher, his mother. She was in her 90s and it's, you know, she, she said how he, he has ruined her life as a Jewish mother. <laughs> you know, she said she just was so happy complaining, so happy worrying all the time, complaining and worrying, complaining. She says it's genetic, it's built into, it's built into <coughs> Jewish mother's genetic code. And, <coughs> and um, he suggested mom. Before you complain, think the thought, and I am so blessed. She said it it ruined her life. (laughs) She's happy now. (laughs) So that's what matters to me. And now I, I don't know exactly how we'll do that. Hopefully you can figure this out. But I'd like to break up into... Maybe groups of four, groups of four, and talk to each other about what matters to you most. And if you want to go there, what is, in, what is getting in the way of living, of abiding in what matters to you most? It might be your children, it might be your grandchildren, it might be awareness, I don't know what, but 
you know, being honest about what matters to you most. So I don't know how you can do this. It's a, it's a, there's the hall, there, there's, a, there, there's the little room there and there's, groups can form out in the social hall. But please do that, okay? And, and we'll, we'll, take, uh, we'll take 20 minutes so everybody gets five minutes. And, and uh, just uh, 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 Robert will talk more about the, the kind of the protocol, but just in brief, we just listen. We don't help. We don't interrupt. We honor each other by deeply listening. And then we'll have a break and we can talk to each other. Well, well let's come back after that. And we'll, we'll, you know, but then we'll have a break and we can talk to each other about more, more dialogue, okay?